You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. This is another edition of Weekend Conversations. Each weekend, I'll take a deeper dive into an article or an interview I shared during the week, often a Friday forward. And joining me as usual is the co-producer of the Elevate Podcast, Mick Sloan. Mick, how's it going? Going well. Happy President's Day to all who celebrate. Happy President's Day, too. So this week, we're going to be talking about the latest Friday Forward, which is called Outsized Expectations. Yeah. So the premise of this one is sort of on the idea of expectations and reality and rationality and irrationality. And so the premise that sets up the post is that in the past couple of years as board chair at AP, you've evaluated a lot of acquisition targets. And your experience is that a lot of founders have outsized expectations of the valuation of the companies they're selling. Can you explain sort of when you started to notice that this was a real trend, what your experience was and your reaction? Yeah, so I, I probably was a little tainted uh, going back over 20 years. When I was in my 20s, I thought about buying a business and I actually took a course. Uh, this woman named Marsha Rossman taught a great course on buying a business. And one of the first things she taught us in the course was to always ask the seller um, how they priced the business or how they came up with the price. Um, and she said, what you find is, and these were more like individual solo entrepreneurs kind of selling a business, but she said, you know, find out if it has anything to do with the business or the rationality of the, or other things. And what, what the answers were often was I'm getting divorced and I owe my wife a half million dollars, or I put a lot of energy in, and then she kind of was like run away from things that are totally detached from the actual <laughs> discussions about wh wh what the business is worth. So, you know, I've had that in my mind, kind of now been involved in this kind of M&A for three, four years now. And I've started to kind of keep some notes after conversations around like, wow, this person seems kind of rational and informed. And this person seems kind of way out of whack. And, and, and then I've kind of looked back at like, who's ultimately had a transaction or otherwise. And it, it just seems like the people whose expectations are, are, are really out of whack or based on emotion have just wasted a ton of time and energy. It's kind of like, look, in a lot of these cases, we'll talk a lot about some real estate analogies because I think they're relevant. Um, you know, a real estate agent just wouldn't take the house. If, if, if every house in your neighborhood sold for 800, that was the same, and you want a 1.2, they're like, I'm just not going to do this and waste my time. But you could spend years trying to sell your house for 1.2 million, right? It's just a it's a lot of time and a lot of energy for a, an outcome that is you're looking for the exception outcome, and the reality is, by the definition of the word exception, most people are not the exception. Yeah, and so I do want to dig into sort of the real estate analogy. And first of all, I think just to sort of lay this out as someone who's had a lot of experience, you've sold companies, you've you've acquired a couple of companies. You say in the post that there are these guiding norms yeah. similar to what you'll find in real estate. How do those sort of work? And what do you think is the disconnect where people are not aware of those when they're selling their business? Yeah, because I, I think people look inward. And the problem is when you look inward, you have, you wear rosy colored glasses. Everyone thinks their kid is the smartest, the funniest, kind of in the best. But in any market, if you talk to people outside or externally, you will find that there is a formula, right? In housing, it's square feet, you know, and it's neighborhood and it's totally different in 
upstate New York than it is in Manhattan. And if you tried to talk one language in the other, people would kind of laugh at you. So again, in these markets, um, if you understand what industry you're in, if you understand the size of your business, if you understand whether people are looking at profit, which is what they look at in services, or maybe revenue, which is that they look at in software, there are our metrics. And you're probably going to end in the range of one of those. Yes, there'll always be some crazy outliers. But when you don't orient yourself around those brackets, um, I, I think it does a lot of harm. And this is this is true, I think, if, if you're selling anything, right? Take your car. You go out there with a used car and Kelly Blue Book says, you know, uh, you know, but I took, you know, it says it's worth 20,000, you know, and you asked for 27 because you took really good care of your car and your car special and it has special memories in it. And no one's going to buy your car. You know, there are other cars. Now, house, how cars are more of a commodity. Houses, there's not a lot that are the same. Businesses, they're not a lot for the same. So even though they're not identical, they have the same properties. And a lot of times, you know, a business that generates a million dollars and has certain qualities is, is is worth the same amount to someone as another business. Yes, they have they can have different people. And this is where it's a little different than housing. But I find that the people who fail uh, to to orient themselves around the norm, who who just look outside and kind of look inside and not outside, they just don't get anywhere, and they spin their wheels. And while they're doing that. This is, you know, ties into focus. You spend two years trying to sell your business. The performance of your business often deteriorates because that's a lot of time and energy that's wasted. I think that there's a key theme here, which is the idea of the rationality of markets. Certainly over a long period of time, markets tend to gravitate toward a norm versus the emotionality of a person who is trying to make an evaluation of what something they're selling is worth. And in the case of a business, you know, it is, I think, more like a child than it is like a home in a weird way. You know, you'll hear a lot of founders or describe their company as their baby. And I guess you've been in the experience, you know, you've sold, you've sold homes before. You've sold a business before. You, I think you've sold multiple businesses. How have you managed that emotional inward feeling versus the understanding of the market dynamics and of the rationality of those markets. Look, you I, you always look, there's marketing and I come from marketing. You always want to sell and espouse the virtues of why yours is different, but I think that, you know, I've always oriented my expectations around the market. And so when I'm thinking about a good outcome, if I went to sell my, you know, and maybe so maybe that's I get 10% better because I market it well and I focus on things otherwise. But if I thought that my unique marketing skill is going to make someone pay 50% more for my house and I've sold houses on my own, I, I, I'm I'm deluding myself, right? So um, I think you can do all of those things and you can try to sell to, and you should, any founder should, why are you special and why are you different? Um, but uh, I had a discussion with a founder years ago and, uh, you know, just in simplistic terms, um, you know, EBIT is sort of the earning of a business and, and, their business, let's say it had a million dollars in EBIT. There, there was a recent transaction in the industry of a company that had 10 million in EBIT, and they were looking for a higher valuation, like a better price per square foot and and than, than the company that was 10 times bigger. And when it's 10 times bigger, there's less risk and multiples go up. And I just, I, I was sort of trying to talk to them, like it just made no sense. Like there's just no way in the world that any buyer 
would pay uh, a, a multiple for a company that's a tenth of the size of one that's ten times bigger. But but that's what they had oriented themselves around, and they again went through the motions two, three, four times, um, and wasted a lot of time and energy around trying to sell that business. A commonality that relates to selling your business expectations, you know, the real estate analogy. And I also think we're about to talk a little more broadly about the idea of expectations versus reality more generally. I think that this is a case where across all of those domains, there is more rumor mill information and speculation and inaccurate stuff out there than maybe there has been previously. And a good analogy that we were talking about before we started recording actually was with Zillow. And I, I have Zillow, you know, my, my wife in particular spends a lot of time on Zillow and I see things and I think about them, oh, this house costs this much, this costs this much. And every so often I pull myself back and think, am I really getting at all of an accurate impression of the real estate market by looking at this? Or am I just being fed something that is more speculative and hypothetical and being presented as if it is concrete. But again, you're gathering some data points and you go into a market and if you were buying a house, you'd probably say to the buyer, hey, I, you know, here's my bid because we looked at 10 houses and there's 300, you know, and, and most of them go for $300 a square foot. And so we're coming in that range. You know, you would try to orient yourself. There's a feature on Zillow that, that sort of um, shows this phenomenon perfectly. So there's something called make me move. I don't see it a lot anymore. And it's where basically homeowners can list a price on their house that they'd be interested in, in, in selling for, um, that, that, you know, kind of like they weren't looking to sell, um, but they'd be interested in, in, in selling for, uh, and again, this is a market that's pretty liquid and pretty transparent. Um, you know, this might actually work better in a business, but in my experience, the make me move prices are, are 30 to 50% higher than what it says. Cause it'll say Zestimate 500,000, make me move $700,000. There's just no one, you know, maybe one again, exception, maybe one out of a thousand, but there's just no one coming in to a market where there's a lot of and saying, look, I'm just going to overpay 40,000 because, you know, that's the price that will make you move. I'm going to overpay. I just laugh every time I see these numbers. I can understand again, if they're five or 10% above market and someone would be like, I really want to get into this neighborhood and this is enough to force this person to sell, but just no one's going to come in and pay 40% more. So just that whole effort of doing that seems pretty, pretty futile. It's a bit of a ridiculous exercise. It's almost as if, if you're talking to, and we've talked about this a bit in talking about things like job hopping, great resignation. And, you know, someone might be sitting and thinking, well, I'd leave my current job if someone gave me $500,000 a year. And it's just, yeah, of course you would. But that's what's even the point of putting that expectation out there because anything else is going to seem Right. I think that's the key point, right? It's great to dream big. and it's, I, But I think keeping those things as as dreams or hopes and not orientation, because right, if you make $100,000 and you start orienting yourself around, I'm not going to move to 175, then someone comes in and offers you 140 and you feel insulted. You know, and, and, and so, because <laughs> you've just, you look, look, there's a lot of psychological uh, data on this, on sort of priming and numbers, and uh, the book "Think Fast, uh, Think Fast and Think Slow" by Daniel Kahneman, like really goes into this, like around donations. When you say, "Hey, will you give to the so and so wildlife federation like a suggested donation?" It anchors people's pricing around that, right? V- very strongly suggested is a hundred or fifty. Like you don't know how much it costs to save a seal, right? So someone provides you the pricing. So when you anchor yourself around unrealistic pricing or expectations, 
you are you are literally only setting yourself up for for disappointment when when you might have had a lot of great outcomes there. And look, there's there's some nuance here because I know some people listening to this or some Friday forwards. Hey, aren't you telling us to like be the exception and go against the grain and do that and all that? And and we can dive into that because I don't think those things are are, are mutually exclusive. Um, you know, it has to do with sort of putting yourself in a position to get a great result versus just assuming that you are going to be the one out of a, a hundred all the time, just by the sheer math. If everyone did that, you're going to have 99 pretty disappointed people. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and, and the idea of anchoring to a certain number and how that will affect whether you think something is a good outcome or a bad outcome for you, that is the type of thing where everyone thinks to themselves, well, obviously, I wouldn't fall for that type of irrational trap. But I'd encourage anyone who feels that way to look at you know Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, like you just said, Richard Thaler, any of his writing on behavioral economics. There's literally just stacks of books that detail the irrationality of people in these types of situations where you might, from pure dollars and cents, expect them to be rational and think, well, hey, even though I expected $170,000 a year, $150,000 is a lot more than I'm making now, and that's great. Like Instead, they'll think, well, this kind of sucks. This isn't what I wanted at all. Yeah, and, 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 and right. I mean, and, and if anyone has learned on the flip side, if anyone has investors or people they're promising to or otherwise – 
you want to actually provide the lowest expectations possible that the, that they're willing to accept. Because we had this issue too, you know, years that we said we're going to grow forty percent this year, and we grew thirty two percent or something like that. It's actually a great outcome, but everyone feels like they failed. Right, so it's it, it's very tricky with expectations, where even when they're in your favor, uh, you can make everyone feel like it wasn't a good outcome. What is sort of the right balance to strike on the expectations front? And I think, especially as an individual level, but if you're a person leading a team or a company, and you want that shoot for the moon, dream big, push yourself beyond what you think you can do, but you also don't want people to think that they're always falling short of the expectation. Yeah, setting that mark is really important. Like you ideally want to set it so that you have some upside and not some downside. There's no way to lose faith with other people than to keep missing your projections um, over and over. So look, you you should work hard, do the right things, market, sell otherwise, but also just understand you know the realities. And some people will have an exceptional product and they will command exceptional pricing or an exceptional value on that. But more often than not, people have a product or something that is just similar to a lot of other things. Um, and this is where, again, we're not the best judge. This is why I think it is important. Most of the people with these irrational expectations are not working with advisors. They're not working with people who have knowledge of the market and the numbers and can have these discussions with them and say, look, your baby looks just like these other babies. Sometimes your baby is better. <laughs> it's smarter and prettier and otherwise. But the reality is we are not the judges of that. So I have always talked to as many people as I could in the market, figured out what they did, figured the reality, had them give me their opinion of my baby, you know, and said, look, tell me, you know, tell me the truth about my baby. Like where, where does it have imperfections so that I can orient my, and, and look, sometimes people say you have something that is premium and you should, and then sometimes it's really not that differentiated. And I just sold three like this and here are the ranges and if that's interesting to you then then do it again it's it's what's different here is most people don't sell their own houses um but and but if you went to an expert they wouldn't waste their time just like if you went to a real estate agent they are not going to take you on if you say i'm not selling my house for less than 40 percent more of what the average house has sold. Yeah. And so I, I think that there is often that competition from a leadership standpoint, you know, every or a lot of founders want to be Steve Jobs and they want to have that type of revolutionary effect that Apple had. And, you know, I think Adam, Adam Neumann, who founded WeWork, he fashioned himself as a Steve Jobs type, Elizabeth Holmes did. And some of that is marketing, but I think some of that is genuine self-belief. I think you also see this in some cases where if someone has an exceptional outcome in one facet of their life, or even if they've had an exceptional outcome in one of their businesses, they are expecting that exceptional outcome in everything that they do. And I think so much of this is just a function of tuning out the noise and really lasering in on the signal, as you're saying, like understanding what the actual, what the space and the market actually is telling you. And considering the possibility that while it's okay to want to be the exception, you can't just assume that you're the exception. Yeah, look, Steve Jobs would have told everyone they didn't know what they're talking about, right, from a value standpoint. Or maybe he wouldn't have. But like I think about Adam Newman and we were – right, the, the, the IPO people came in. They wanted to set the price. He just kind of discounted everything they wanted to say. I, I think the difference here is, again, people who seek experts and people who understand. It doesn't mean that you can't 
kind of reach for the moon or try better, but you're you're actually seeking the people that understand the market or the segment and know what they're talking about, and you're asking them for expertise, and you're then pulling that into your viewpoint and your expectations. And you might say, okay, great, but I think we're better or otherwise versus people. It tends to be the people who go at it alone or don't want to educate themselves on a market at all, or again, just look inward. Um, if you just look inward, you might not realize there's a hundred people doing the same thing that what you do, right? Or you just look at your house and talk about the virtues of your house. Let's say you live in a big complex that has 200 of the same units. And you're just like, my house is really nice and I painted it and there's been love and care and it's only one owner and there's no pet. And people are like, yeah, but there's a hundred of the same units for sale right now and the market's crashing and we can paint those, right? For for a couple thousand dollars. So if you just sit there, you know, completely ignoring the outside world, you are not going to get a good outcome. And I think that's what most people do. And look, the best advisors out there and the best consultants and the best board members and the best friends and the people in your life who can really help you are the ones that will tell you when your baby is ugly. Yeah, it's. I think it's a cousin of the common phrase that if you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. Exactly. And I think that if if everyone that you're going to talk to is going to tell you exactly what you want to hear from an expectation standpoint, you should really not assume that that means that they're all definitely right. It's possible that they are kind of catering to you. It's possible that they just genuinely are caught up in the moment the way that you are and they want to be supportive and they don't want to undercut your hopes and yeah. dreams. And look, don't take other people's word for it. Again, I think there's experts, but 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 people's ego gets in the way. They tell you, look, gamblers always tell you about their winnings. They never tell you about their losings. Like you don't know any gamblers like I got crushed yesterday or people that bet on sports. Yet we wouldn't have these beautiful casinos and sports books and everything if they weren't losing more than they're winning. <clears throat> the other problem in the MA, and I think this exists in some places, people embellish, right? So your friend Sarah told you that she sold her agency, you know, for $10 million. What Sarah didn't tell you was that she got a million down and it was a million a year for 10 years, which really isn't worth $10 million. It's worth six or seven million in sort of current dollars. And Sarah has to stay on for five years and she's financing that. So like but what Sarah is not going to tell you that she's going to tell you, I sold it for $10 million. And then you're like, oh, wow, Sarah had a $1 million business. You sold it for $10 million. So people orient themselves around these rumors and these half facts. And again, they don't, it's like, it's like they don't want to actually know the truth. They want to know the, and, and, and I, I understand that makes you feel better, but it probably doesn't help you get a better outcome. It's not the quote of the week in the post, but it is a quote that's really relevant from Ryan Holiday. And I'm paraphrasing a bit. It's, don't compare yourself to other people. You never know who's in debt. You never know who's using steroids. You never know who's lying. Yeah. And that's that's the embellishment. Yeah. And I can tell you, yeah, people who have sold something you know, will never tell you about the concessions, the give backs, the things that they've done. They, they will try to put themselves in the best uh, possible light. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I would love to find a LinkedIn post where someone says, I thought I would sell my business for $50 million and I got 12 Well, remember Bobby Bonilla, the famous baseball contract that paid out you know, a million or two. It was like $100 million at the time. I don't know. But it paid out $2 million a year over 25 years. Like it wasn't <laughs> – the headline number was really big, but it was a 25-year payment. He, he's still getting paid. He is still getting paid. That's, that's a, yeah. The actual quote of the week is from a favorite of the show, Charlie Munger. The secret to happiness is to lower your expectations. What resonates about Yeah, this? you know, I've, I heard this a lot recently, and uh, Morgan Housel also used it in, in his latest book, and uh, it sort of reminded me again. It's just such a good quote um, because everything is kind of relative to expectations. I think uh, happiness, wealth, like all, all kinds of things are actually very – they don't really have a nominal – uh, you know, steady thing. They are generally relative to what our expectations are otherwise. So if you want to be happy, if you want to go into a a, a, a a day, a meeting, a relationship, like just lower your expectations um, so that, so that you can, you can beat them again. If you, if you, and, and we see this all the time with wall street, right? Once, once analysts think a company it doesn't actually, when earnings comes out, the stock price doesn't trade relative to the earnings. It trades relative to, you know, they were supposed to be down 90%, but they were down 70% and the stock goes up. Or they were supposed to be up 80% and they were only up, you know, uh, or 50% and they were up 80% and the stock goes up. So it actually, it, it, it's a perfect, it's never relative to the actual performance. So I, I think a lot of the situations, if we can normalize ourselves around a lower outcome or a baseline outcome and hope to be surprised, um, we're just going to be happier. There's a lot of very successful people who are extremely unhappy because they always want more and it's almost like it's never enough. But any 99 out of 100 people would look at their situation and be like, I'd be so happy with that. Yeah, work, work for the exception, but expect the norm. Well said. Again, exceptions exceptions are exceptions. So if every <laughs> if everyone could be it, then it, it, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the case. Thanks for listening, everyone, today. If you want to check out the posts we were discussing, go to robertglazer.substack.com and look for the post titled Outsize Expectations. Also, check out future editions of Weekend Conversations, which will be in your feed on Saturday mornings. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, follow or subscribe today on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the new episodes. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.